Welcome back to week two of Experiencing God today. We're going to focus on the fact that our God pursues a relationship with us. I challenged you all last week to show God this week that you want to experience him in your life this year. And if you haven't started showing him that yet, um, that you want to experience him, it's not too late. And it's real simple. It's, it's maybe a two-step process, really, to get started. And it's, it's just focus on his word and spend time getting to know God better through prayer. My prayer this week has been that, that you've put down or stepped away from the little distractions that might keep you from experiencing our big God. I want to share a story with you real quick from Wayne Smith. The story goes this way. A public sinner was once excommunicated and forbidden entry to the church. He took his woes to God. He said, they won't let me in, Lord, because I'm a sinner. What are you complaining about, said God? They won't let me in either. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't want that to be us, okay? I don't want that to be Huntsville Christian Church. I don't want that to be you or me as individuals because the reality is our God pursues a relationship with us. But like I said last week, if we refuse the relationship, he will allow us to our own devices as well. He prefers that we will study his word and that we will spend time with him. That's what God prefers. But if we don't choose to do that, he will allow us to our own devices. Brennan Manning, the author of the Ragamuffin Gospel, Good News for the Bedraggled, Beat Up and Burnt Out, said this. The word we study has to be the word we pray. My personal experience of the relentless tenderness of God came not from exegetes or theologians and spiritual writers, but from sitting still in the presence of the living word and beseeching him to help me understand with my head and my heart his written word. Brennan Manning says, Sheer scholarship alone cannot reveal to us the gospel of grace. What we, must never, we must never allow the authority of books, institutions, or leaders to replace the authority of knowing Jesus Christ personally and directly. He also says, when the religious views of others interpose between us and the primary experience of Jesus as the Christ, we simply become unconvicted and unpersuasive travel agents, handing out brochures to places we have never visited. I thought, that's deep, Brennan. I don't know about you, but I want to experience God. I want to develop my relationship with him. I don't want to be an unpersuasive travel agent handing out brochures to a place I've never been. Yeah, you could go to Jersey, but yeah, who really cares? I don't want to be that guy. I want to experience God while I'm here on earth. I want to focus everything I am on getting to heaven and taking as many people with me as I can. That's the kind of tour guide I want to be. But in order to do that, I can't just let God pursue a relationship with me. I have to pursue a relationship with him. And then I have to pursue a relationship with others. And by I, I mean we, and by we, I mean you. See, I don't mean just a Facebook friendship or a Twitter following. I mean a real face-to-face, -face, handshake, hug relationship. Okay, I got to warn you, I'm looking for audience participation in just a second. Caught you off guard last week. Here it comes. I don't want to catch you off guard today, but I have a few questions. I really need you to answer these. So it's, it's real simple. First off, by a show of hands... Who's ever been in a relationship? Okay, this should be pretty much everybody has been in some sort of relationship. Friendship, um, some sort of relationship. Now, what would you say, uh, keep the audience participation going, you all did good on that. What would you say is the key to any solid relationship? 
Whoa. Here's what I heard. Communication was one. I heard something over here. Trust. Spending time together. Love. Anything else? Those, those are good answers. Man, good job, guys. Um, those are all good answers. Wayne B. Smith has one of the best short courses in human relationships that I think I've ever stumbled upon. It goes like this. Now, these are, these are the things you should or shouldn't say for a successful relationship. And he starts off with the six most important words you'll ever say for a successful relationship. I admit I made a mistake. That, that one, yeah, thank you. We'll only admit that to our wives and very rarely. Uh, five most important words you'll ever say. You did a good job. The four most important words you'll ever say. What is your opinion? The three most important words. What do you think the three most important words are? Oh, you guys are so sweet. I love you too. But no, actually, Wayne says the three most important words are almost. If you please. If you please. The two most important words you'll ever say are thank you. The one most important word you'll ever say is we. People like we. And the least important word you'll ever say is I. You guys are quick learners. Today, we need to keep those statements in mind as we look at how our God pursues a relationship with us. Because I think it all plays in together. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that we can be here, that we can look at at your word and examples of of where you pursued others. And we'll find encouragement there knowing that that you still have that pursuit for us, that you want a relationship with us. I I pray as we go through, not just today, but this whole month on, on experiencing you, that as I said earlier, we'll be able to set aside the things that we may be holding on to just a little bit too tightly. And because of that, we're not able to truly experience you in our lives through good times or bad times. We just want to experience you and share you with others. So I pray that you'll open our hearts, open our minds so that we can do just that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So what does it mean to pursue something? In short, to pursue means to follow something or perhaps to chase something. Maybe to go after it in a relentless or determined manner. Kind of like sending your son to die on the cross for the restoration of the world's sin. I would count that as pursuing us. Let me ask you this question. This one you don't have to answer out loud. If you were standing before God right now, could you describe your relationship with him by saying, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength? I mean, could you really answer all of those that way right now? Henry Blackaby tells a story uh, of a church member in one of his devotions who was always having difficulty in his personal life. He was having difficulty with his family. He was having difficulty at work. He was even having difficulty at church. And one day in a church meeting, this man became extremely angry. He just just up and stormed out of the room. And it was obvious that he was just at this, this boiling point of anger in his life. And soon after that meeting, Blackaby says he asked the guy, Can you describe your relationship with God by sincerely saying, I love you with all my heart? The strangest look came over the man's face. He said, no one's ever asked me that before. He said, but no, I could not right now describe my relationship with God that way. 
And I think we can relate to what the man said next. He said, I could say that I obey him. I could say that I serve him. I could say that I worship him, that I fear him. But I cannot say at this point in my life that I love God with all my heart. And as he continued to talk, he shares some things with Blackaby. He said, this man apparently had a father who never told him that he loved him. The son, this man, he feared his father, but he didn't love him. He obeyed his father, but he didn't love him. The man had wrongly assumed that God was the same kind of father that his earthly father was. And we think about that when it's presented to us like that, and we go, oh, that's so sad. But we do the same thing. We see our relationship with our earthly father as a reflection of our relationship with our heavenly father. And when we do this, a lot of times our whole life perspective can just get out of whack. When we do this, we find that God's basic purpose for our life begins to go missing. Because God created us for a love relationship with him. Christian, if you can't describe your relationship with God by saying that you love him with all of your being, you need to begin doing your part to pursue a relationship with him. Since the beginning, God has pursued a relationship with us. In the garden, he walked with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. By the way, this is after they ate from the tree, the forbidden fruit, okay? This is when they realized that that they're naked. They realized they've sinned. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he knew where Adam and Eve was, but he was pursuing them. You know, God has plans for us. I have to tell you, growing up, I grew up with some rough people. When I was in the sixth and seventh grade, I spent those two summers of my life running with a carnival group that was called Amusements of America. Now, carnies are a great group of people. If you're a carny, I love you, okay? Um, but they're a little bit different. There's one guy I worked with in particular. His name was Cowboy Mel. And uh, most people just called him Cowboy. He was a member of the Hells Angels whenever he had a motorcycle. That was what he would say. Right now, I'm in between bikes, but I'm still a member. And he was proud of that. Most, for the most part, he was a nice guy. But his religion was a bit off. Because this is what he would typically say when you would get to talking about God or heaven and hell and love and Jesus. He would say, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm going to live forever. Because heaven doesn't want me and hell's afraid I'll take over. He said that. I heard that two summers in a row. I heard it any time that somebody mentioned Jesus. That, that, I mean, he said it. And the thing is, the sad thing is, I think at some point there was a part of him that truly believed that statement. There, the, the other sad thing is there are thousands of people who believe something similar right now. There are people all over our world. There are people in our community. There are people in this room right now who think that heaven doesn't want them. Worse yet, there are people who truly believe that because of something they did, God doesn't want anything to do with them. They believe because something that happened to them when they were younger, God doesn't want anything to do with them now that they're older. They believe that because someone has told them they were worthless for so long that God doesn't want anything to do with them. There are people in our community, there are people in our lives that because they've been abused for so long, they think God doesn't want them. Or maybe because they've abused themselves for so long with drug addiction, with alcohol addiction, with porn and sex addiction, with pills, with any number of self-inflicted harms. And we get to that point and we go, there's no way God would pursue me for anything. 
They believe that God doesn't want them. I'm here to say to you today, if you can hear my voice, whether you're in person right here at Huntsville Christian Church or you're listening to a podcast online, God loves you and our God will pursue a relationship with you. If you don't believe that, I want you to look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It's one of my favorite examples of God pursuing somebody. Pursuing somebody who just might be as unlovely as the rest of us when it comes right down to it. It says, now, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters for him from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way being followers of Jesus, Christianity, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. Verse 9 says, he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up. And go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. I like verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you are coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight and got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. We continue in up to verse 20. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who call on his name? And who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Let me ask you this. If God would pursue a relationship with the very man who went and got certified documents to bind and arrest believers of Jesus Christ, don't you think he would do the same for you and I? I would have loved to have been in that town the first time that Saul began to talk about Jesus. 
Could you imagine? Verse 21, all those hearing him continued to be amazed and, and were saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who call on this name and, and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, yeah, well, that's all good. But, you know, God revealed to Saul what he wanted from him. God, God spoke to Saul. Ananias even verified what God said. That's all well and good. If I had something like that happen to me, I would serve God and never look back too. You do have it. You have, most of you right now in your hands or in your lap, the spoken word of God. If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app on your phone, you have, the, or your reader or your iPad or whatever, you hold the spoken word of God in more than a thousand languages just in that one app. I want to share a secret with you, though. If you read it, if you take Brendan Manning's advice from the beginning of the message where he said that the word we study has to be the word we pray, if, if you take your time, sitting still in the presence of the living God, of the living word, and, and ask him to help you understand with your head and your heart what's written, you'll be amazed at the confirmation and the encouragement that you get, not just from the word that's in your hand, but from the people that are in your life. Because when you begin to pursue God back, it starts just kind of a cyclical reaction that's amazing, just like what Saul received from Ananias. If you don't think God pursues all of us like he pursued Saul, look at the instruction that Jesus left with his followers before he went into heaven. Chapter 28 in Matthew, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came up and spoke to them, to his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me translate that for you. It, it goes like this. Just as I have pursued a relationship with each one of you, the I being Jesus, not me, and he's talking to his disciples, just as I have pursued a relationship with each one of you, go and do likewise. Remember, Remember this about the disciples. These are the men that Jesus went after just a few years earlier. And now he's saying in his last words, just as I pursued you, go and do the same. Pursue those who stink like fish, O fishermen. Pursue those who, who reek of doubt, Nathaniel. Pursue those who have, who have found comfort in their money, Levi. Pursue those who are educated, Luke. He's telling these men, go back and do this. Pursue those who persecute me because I have plans for them too. And we see it start to lay out in Acts where Saul becomes Paul and Paul begins to change the world. Brothers and sisters, our God pursues a relationship with us. And it, it's time that we did the same thing. If you really want to experience God this year, you have to show him that you want to experience him. Pursue him and pursue others. Pursue others that you can introduce to him. We're going to close out our time of worship today with our response time. The goal for this time is that we reflect on the things that we've heard. We've had, we've had a great time of worship through prayer and songs, through giving our, our gifts in, in, in multiple ways today, through offering and through chili recipes. And it's, it's amazing 
what God does. We've heard the word of God. We see, we've been given instruction on how we can experience him this year. My prayer is that as we come to this response time, you'll just take the time you need. Examine yourself against the word of God, not against the people around you. Reflect back on your week, on this past week. Remembering that your body is a temple. During this response time, maybe your response is to start to clean out the temple a little bit, so to speak, and and then have a time of communion with God after examining yourself. I want you to take time and pray and meditate on his word. Maybe you're at a place where the best response you have is to simply let the words of the songs you hear be your prayer. Take your time and think about what these elements mean. Truly reflect on what Christ has done for you. All of these are appropriate responses. And when you feel that you are ready, come forward and and have communion. If your response is that you'd like to be baptized, I'll be hanging out right over here. If you need prayer for something or with someone, the elders are here. We've got a quiet place through that door where you can go and pray with them. But think through where you've been this last week, maybe this last year. And think about where you want to go this new year. Think about how you want to experience God. Larry's going to share some communion thoughts with us at this time. And I just continue to listen with your heart, your mind wide open, and then respond to the word of God. It's been great to worship with you all today. But it's time to go. As you go this week, seek out how you can experience God. Show him that you want to experience him because something you'll understand as you go through life, there comes a point in your life when you realize who matters, who never did, who doesn't anymore. Most of those folks have already left your life, but you also come to realize who always will matter. And what you need to know is that our God will always matter and to him, you will always matter. He will pursue you. But in the end, the choice is yours because heaven wants you. Our God wants no one to suffer. The real question is, do you want heaven? Because the answer will be found in how you live your life. And how you live your life will set you up for how you experience God. Have a great week.